Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. I'm so excited we're starting something new today. It's going to be short. It won't take us long, but we're starting the book of Jonah today. We go verse by verse through the Word of God. We don't necessarily go straight through the Bible. We try to do some moving around, mostly to keep us interested and to keep, um, keep the reading alive for us. But I want to pick up Jonah because we just finished First and Second Kings, and Jonah got a shout-out in there. Jonah gets mentioned right there in Second Kings uh, I can't remember the passage. Do you guys remember 2 Kings? Was it chapter 14? Uh, right about chapter 14. In, in passing, it just mentions Jonah, you know, son of Amittai. And, uh, and it just seemed like a good opportunity to, uh, to, to you know, do something that's going to seem different, but at the same time, right in the timeline of what we're talking about. Uh, if you're just looking uh, to plug Jonah into where he belongs, he follows in the prophetic tradition. He follows after Elijah and Elisha. So it's Elijah, Elisha, Jonah. But Jonah is contemporary with both Amos and Hosea. And you can see that in their writings. Uh, so it's Jonah, Amos, and Hosea all prophesying at the same time. Isaiah follows after Jonah, Amos, and Hosea. Uh, 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 Jonah is a prophet of the northern kingdom, and I think we all now know, you know, kind of more of what that means, the kingdom of Israel, and again mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. He's uh, prophesying during the reign of King Jeroboam II, just to put everything in, 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 in a time. He was king around 790 to 750, something like that, B.C., uh, and, uh, and just so you know, the city of Nineveh was ultimately destroyed um, over 100 years later, 612 BC, so just to put all that in perspective. So in the context of all this, Jonah being a prophet of the northern kingdom, the story of Jonah recorded in the book of Jonah is just amazing because it turns out God calls Jonah, sends Jonah to Nineveh. And Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, which is just, you know, incredible incredible. We know from the beginning that uh, God was going to write, raise up Israel to be light to the nations, you know, that God himself was the Lord of all the nations. But but we don't really see anything like this elsewhere in Scripture. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. And the fact that it's recorded here in the book of Jonah suggests to me that it happened other times too. But the point is, God is sending Jonah, as, as far as we know, the first documented international missionary. Jonah is sent to preach the message of Yahweh, the word of God, to the Gentiles, the Assyrians. Now, now that's really amazing and it's huge. So Jonah is the first international missionary, we could say. And we could also say, uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be wildly successful. I mean, I would love to preach an eight-word sermon that brings revival and peace to a nation, you know, for 100 years. I would love to preach that sermon. Jonah preaches that sermon. Uh, but understand, his heart is never in it. And he is, it's just me saying it, but I would say he's the worst missionary ever. He's the worst prophet ever. And we have a story right here in the book of Jonah. So let's jump in. Chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. God calls it a great city. Well, understand, Jonah hates the Assyrians. You know, in Jonah's day, they're not quite the superpower that they're going to be, but they're enough for him to hate them, you know, not to mention he's a Jew, you know. And so he sort of, you know, doesn't perhaps think that highly of the Gentiles. He probably doesn't really want to preach to the Gentiles. And 
Um, anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a call of God that Jonah instantly refuses. And, and the first part of the book of Jonah is the sort of, it's not funny, but it, it is kind of funny. Uh, his his refusal. Now, understand following the Lord doesn't bring any trouble for Jonah. It's the running from the Lord that brings the trouble, and he immediately starts to run. Notice, the Lord says to him, get up, get up, and go to the great city of Nineveh. Okay, so Jonah, verse 3, got up, and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Tarshish would be approximately 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. <laughs> so like he bought the ticket, taking him you know, as far away as he could possibly go you know, in the opposite direction. Now from this point, it, your English translation is probably not going to uh, maintain this pattern that you see clearly in the Hebrew text. But the funny part in the Hebrew text is from this point on, once Jonah starts running from God, again, God says, get up. And Jonah gets up. But after that point, everything he does is moving in the opposite direction from the Lord. And so when you are running from God, just hear me say, the only direction you go from then on is down. You know, so Jonah's life begins this downward spiral, and it's very plain in the Hebrew text, if not a little bit comical, because at this point, he goes, well, he goes down to the port of Joppa, you know, where he bought a ticket, he got on board the ship, he went down into the belly of the ship, right? I mean, like, every single time the dude moves, he goes down. You know, he was sound asleep down in the hold, so the captain of the boat went down after him, like, every directional word pertaining to Jonah after this is down, you know, so they throw him overboard. He goes down into the sea. I mean, it's just down, 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 down. His life is in this downward spiral. And the amazing thing is that this prophet of the Lord would choose that. He would choose this downward spiral over obedience to the Lord. And, and I guess uh, we're not really told exactly why he hates this calling so much, the only thing we can figure is that Jonah just cannot grasp the truth that God loves all the people he hates, you know? Jonah doesn't care for the Assyrians, doesn't care about the city in Nineveh. As it turns out, it doesn't seem like Jonah cares about anybody, you know? He's this prophet of the Lord. When he's talking to the sailors, he says, yeah, I, I worship the Lord God, you know. D do you though? <laughs> I mean, do you though? You don't care anything about God. You don't care anything about God's word, and you don't care anything about people, you know? And yet he says, yeah, you know, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Yeah, do you, though? Because I'm thinking you don't, you know? Funny. Even the person running from God tells himself, oh, I worship the Lord. Yeah, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I think it's funny how the sailors on the ship who are all desperate, they're all Gentiles, they're all pagan, you know, but they are more tenderhearted both toward Jonah and, and toward the Lord, the God of Jonah. I mean, you know, it's like, man, these, my, these guys would be your missionaries. These are good guys. I mean, in every way, they show themselves just better hearted, you know, uh, more righteous from a human perspective than Jonah himself. He's supposed to be the prophet of God, you know, and care and give a lick about anybody's life but his own. And at this point, he doesn't care about his own life either. So this awful storm comes down, the scripture says, 
comes down upon him, man, the crew starts throwing over everything they can throw overboard, you know, just trying to lighten the ship, trying to stay alive. And so then finally they, they cast lots to find out who it is that made the gods so angry, right? And the lots fall upon Jonah. And so they demand, who are you? What is your line of work? I love that. <laughs> what is your line of work? Notice that that's not even part of what he puts in. You know, it's like, I guess he's supposed to be some kind of prophet slash missionary, but, you know, let's don't bring that up. Let's don't, he, he, he kind of retired, took early retirement plan from that. Uh, what is your line of work? I love that. Jonah doesn't really answer that. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God. Whew, throw me into the sea, guys. Just throw me, you know, just kill me. <laughs> this is a man who would rather die than do the will of the Lord. And it's easy for us to judge because we're sitting home this morning on Facebook at 10 o'clock in the morning or wherever you are, whenever you are. Um, but understand, most all of us at least say that, we're, that, we would, that we'd like to know the will of God, that, that we at least say that we want to do the will of God. But I, I'm telling you, then we play this game where we say, but I just don't know what God wants me to do. You know, God doesn't speak to me. He doesn't tell me what he wants me to do. But I promise you, I, I promise you. You may not have this awareness of this giant calling of God on your life as some sort of, you know, vocation. But I promise you, you know enough about what God wants you to do today. You know enough about what God wants you to do right now that you can either choose to obey or you can choose to run. And you're making that choice. You're either moving toward God and moving in obedience or you are moving away from him. And believe it or not, you are in some sort of downward spiritual spiral. That's just how it works. God blesses obedience. He cannot bless your disobedience. And so Jonah would just rather die. He says, yeah, just throw me in, throw me overboard. And again, what's more, the guys, they just row harder. They don't want to even do that. Again, they care more about people than Jonah cares about people, which is just, you know, striking. And so finally they pray to Jonah's God and say, oh God, you know, Spare us this. You know, we don't really want to do this. Don't let us die for this man's sin and then don't hold us accountable for his death when we throw him overboard. And ultimately, that's what they do. They pitch him overboard. Uh, the storm stops at once and immediately they're awestruck at the Lord's great power. They offer a sacrifice and vow to serve him. <laughs> this is what I mean. Jonah's like the most successful missionary ever and he's also the worst because like he just, you know, uh, the whole boatload of, you know, sailors just got saved. <laughs> and Jonah, like, you know, he's like the worst preacher ever. All he said was, yeah, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, the God of the sea. And then they, he goes overboard, the sea stops, and then they all get saved. And, you know, Jonah, meanwhile, sinks down. He's still going down. Now he's about as down as you could go. He goes down into the bottom of the sea where a great fish has been appointed to swallow him. Notice this, because this is the kind of language you find in the book of Jonah. God appointed. It's like everything in all creation is more obedient than Jonah. You know, God calls this great fish to, you know, you know eat this kind of sour tasting prophet, uh, and the fish obeys God perfectly. Everybody obeys God perfectly except Jonah. He is such, such a hard-headed, stubborn, hard-hearted, worst prophet ever. And at the same time, what an amazing story. I remind you, this is not a fish story. Tomorrow we get to the fish, but Jonah's not a fish story. The fish is not the point. The mission is the point. 
and we'll get right to that. But tomorrow, Jonah's going to pray in the belly of the whale. Why does he pray? Because he ain't got nothing else to do, y'all. So we'll meet right there tomorrow. We'll meet together in the belly of the whale with Jonah in Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock, 10 with 10. And this is going to be fun. I love you guys. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow.